It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Good Monday morning to you. It is a numbers game right here at Visa, the sports betting network. Visa.com, the Visa F, Vobos, Link, Game Plus, and iHeartRadio. It is Gil Alexander. Jason Kahn is here. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Gil. How are you? I am well, thank you. What a weekend of tennis betting, betting motivation in the NBA. I have so much to say about the NBA. One team played this beautifully. One team botched this beyond belief, in my opinion. I'll let you know who I think those two teams are coming up uh, when we talk NBA. Amal Shaw will join us later on the show. Uh, Amal co-hosted The Nuts with Mike Palm to give his uh, NFL survivor thoughts now that the schedule is out. Looking forward to that. Uh, Jason Weingarten on baseball. Andy McNeil, what a start to the NHL postseason from a fan standpoint, right? From a... From a sports fan standpoint, there is no better postseason. From a betting standpoint, once again, I would point you to tennis or betting motivation down the stretch in the NBA, but that's just me. But we will talk hockey with Andy McNeil. He was on the Wild yesterday. That came home. Almost had a complete 4-for-4 four four on overtimes. Instead, it was 3-for-4 four four on overtimes. Three dogs getting there in overtime. We'll talk to Andy about what has played, what has been played and what will go on today and beyond in the NHL. And Warren Sharp will join us here in just a couple minutes. Uh, the schedule, as you know, is out, and we broke it down, all the quirks that we saw, but nobody has broken it down like Warren. And so he has seven bullet points here we're going to get to and uh, identify the teams that have the advantages and the disadvantages in all of these seven. It's fabulous. Uh, we'll do that in just a couple minutes. First, before we get to that, just wanted to let you know again, as is the case when we're on clay courts in Europe during this show, we want to take the opportunity, like while you're listening to the show, hey, if you want some tennis action, I'll get you some tennis action. I got uh, four plays that are uh, about to start. I think three of which are about to start, and then one sort of after the show. Um, and then you can do with these what you will, because some are bigger favorites, and then there's, well, there's two big favorites, and then there's two dogs. Let's put it that way. So the two favorites uh, that are going on this morning, and these, again, are all throughout Europe on clay, different sites. Now, these aren't big tournaments, um, but the, I'll go, we have the list here. We have, the, we have them listed in one direction, but I'll, I'll say the favorites first. Maria Camila Osorio Serrano, minus, 220, uh, minus 244, rather, pardon me, minus 244 over Zhang Shuai is one of the favorites. The Christian Green match has been canceled because Green has pulled out of the tournament in Geneva. So that one is off the board now. That just happened in the last couple seconds. Sorry about that, Jason. And then the other favorite besides uh, Osorio Serrano is Anaconda, minus 303 versus Allison Van Uitvank. I know the names get you every time. But this, uh, but here's what you'd have to know. The, the favorites, Osorio Serrano, minus 244, Kanja, K-O-N-J-U-H, at minus 303. The dogs are as follows. The dogs are Bernarda Pera at plus 114 versus Sarah Soribes Tormo. We've had Soribes Tormo. Uh, we've bet on her several times. We're on the dog Para in this one, plus 114, the value here on the clay. And then the big dog play, again, against a uh, lady that we have bet on to success several times on this show and on primetime action, Christina Busca is the long shot play today at plus 249. So two favorites, two dogs. The favorites are Osorio Serrano and Kanja, the dogs Para and Busca. If you want some tennis action during the day, 
There you go. During the show, I should say. There you go. Most of that during the show. Um, the reason that tennis was such a phenomenal bet this weekend, two reasons. One, Iga Sviatek won the tournament in Italy, had her at plus 650. She continues to be the queen of clay. Rafael Nadal won in Italy, by the way. He continues to be the king of clay, his 10th Italian Open championship. Roland Garros just uh, two weeks away now. So we're all looking forward to that. And we'll talk about our futures plays as the week goes on. And... Um, so that was the big thing. And the other, the other big thing that made it a huge weekend tennis-wise was Lorenzo Sinego, the Italian clay court specialist, who upset Andre Rublev before falling uh, later to um, to uh, one of the big one of the big guns in this, Djokovic. So that's that's really what got us there. So tennis continues to be again. If we're talking about sports betting. That was the way to go this weekend. The other thing was betting NBA motivations, which I'll get to after Warren, because I want to bring Warren in. But the manipulation that some teams seem to get, who to avoid, and that some teams perennial, perennially don't get, who not to avoid. We shall see if that comes back to bite uh, this certain team and really cost jobs in the end. And again, it's never the players on the court, as we have talked about about Tankapaloos on this show for years now. It's never the players on the court. It's the off front office and the coaches manipulating the team, the uh, the roster, and of course players on the court in crunch time. Skill Alexander, it's a numbers game at Visa the Sports Betting Network. Let's bring him in, ladies and gentlemen, from Sharp Football uh, on Twitter. Sharp Football Analysis, Sharp Football Stats. He consults for NFL teams. He uh, is part of the Ringer Crew. He is key at NBC Sports Edge, where he wrote this brilliant piece about the NFL schedule. And uh, not just breaking it down the normal way, but as he likes to call it, or how he, he turned the phrase, to evaluate strength of schedule timing. It's the great Warren Sharp. Good morning, Warren. Hey, good morning, Gil. Jacked up to be here with you and uh, really annoyed by, um, you know, the schedule makers thinking they did a great job patting themselves on the back with the schedule release. It's, it, it's highly frustrating. Well, nothing got by you. Let me just say that. You did a brilliant job. The, <laughs> the name of the piece is, uh, at NBC Sports Edge is why the NFL schedule matters and who it hurts. And again, the turn of the phrase that you used is we need to evaluate strength of scheduled timing. I love that. And I wanted there's seven different categories. And if we could go through this one by one, because this was a, just was such a well-laid-out piece. And the first category was net rest edges. Let's start there. Yeah, Gil, let me just share this. Please. If we were in the baseball season and we had a 162-game season and there was one team that played zero games where their opponent had extra time to prepare for them and there was another team that played 56 games where their opponent had extra time to prepare for them. Would we think that that schedule is fair? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. And in the, but that's exactly what happens in the NFL this year. There are three teams that are playing six games out of 17, that's 35% of their games, where opponents have extra time to prepare for them, and multiple teams that play zero games where their opponents have extra time to prepare for them. And in a single schedule like i looked at it over a 10-year time frame in a single schedule it is going to be a challenge to balance things perfectly but this isn't even close to perfect this is a jarring example of something that the league must do better in the future do you think they i mean i guess the broad question warren is do you think they care maybe and maybe if they do care do you think they can still counter it enough 
to make it less. I guess they they got to be able to make it less imbalanced, right? But do they care enough to do so? Well, looking at Peter King's article, which I uh, he interviewed me for, he uses some of my data in it. Um, we talked about 30 minutes about it. Uh, you know, the NFL schedule guys, they have this thing, 70 game key games chart. They have their primetime games. Their number one priority is money. They want to get these big matchups when they want them in the course of the season. And they put them in there and those are like locked in. They don't move those. And so they, then they rotate the schedule around it and try to figure out good, uh, schedules that this computer model will generate and what they're trying to do is like uh, we don't like this schedule because this team starts with two straight road games and one of the road games they have to travel you know two time zones for so we're going to swap that so they only have to travel one time zone we'll still give them two road games but only swap at one time zone but they're they're not looking at some of these other factors that are very important and when i talked to peter last year at this time once the schedule had been released and i did my study for the first time he told me that some of the guys in the nfl who are coming up with the schedule are not looking at it at the level of detail that i'm looking at it and why i care about it is because when we're betting on these games, we would like as few factors to be considered, right? It, I guess it benefits us to have more of this imbalance so we can capitalize on it when other people aren't looking at it. But when I work for some of these teams and I care about a fair product and things to be equal so that all teams can have as much an opportunity to win a Super Bowl as possible in a given year, this type of stuff really stands out. It's really glaring. They can do a better job. It never will be perfect. This is far from that. And I think one of the rationale is, well, what real factor does it have? How much really is it playing a role in it? Number one, I can say that substantial rest imbalance does factor into a point in the point spread. It is worth a certain uh, number of decimal points in terms of the point spread. But number two, just because a team isn't able to take advantage of it, just because their coaches stink, just because they don't know what to do with their extra rest or how to get ready when they have less rest, does not mean that it is fair to dole out the schedule with such inequality. Yeah, and I think you're right that on a week-to-week basis, much of on a week-to-week basis, much of this is built into a point spread. But the way you look at it, and, and again, I gotta say, this might be the best of all the great things you do, Warren. This to me might be the best because you've caused me to certainly look at the entirety of the schedule in a way where I can honestly say I think cumulatively I don't think stuff is built into a point spread, right? Maybe from week to week it is. But let's go through these because I think these are fascinating. Again, the seven categories, let me just say this, that Warren has come up with, and we'll explain all of them. Net rest edges, opponent's days to prepare for your game, more or less rest than opponent, short week road games, games off road Sunday night or Monday night, negated bye weeks, that's a fascinating one, and four games separated by 17 days, which is self-explanatory. Let's start with net rest edges, and you've got the Panthers on one end of this spectrum and the Patriots on the other. Please explain. Yeah, so I actually came up with this pretty cool bar chart. It's up in the article at NBCSports.com slash edge. I've tweeted it out on at Sharp Football. Um, you can check that out as well. Visually shows you how many games that you have extra rest for versus your opponent. And there are teams, like if you go down to Tennessee, who's down at minus six net rest edge over the course of the season, this means that they have six fewer days to prepare for their opponents in general. But if you look at the bars on their line, you can see that they have three bars which have minus three. This means that they are playing three teams this year 
off of Thursday night games that have extra time, like mini buys, to prepare for the Tennessee Titans. And those teams are the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Jaguars. They also play the Chiefs off of a bye. So you're talking about three of the better teams in the AFC, the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Patriots, vying for that conference that get to play the Tennessee Titans with substantial rest advantage, mini buys or full buys to prepare for them. And that's a huge disadvantage for a team like the Tennessee Titans. A team like the Patriots and the Washington football team that are down at the bottom, they only have one game all year where they have extra rest to prepare it's not even their bye week because their bye has been negated. We'll talk about that in the future, you know, momentarily, but they only have uh, one game apiece, and it's because they play on a Thursday night, and then they get three extra days to prepare for their opponent after that. But there are certainly haves and have-nots, and it's pretty glaring, especially when you look at we're talking 27 days of rest separate the best team from the worst team. 27 days of rest. Gil, this is a four-month season. It's amazing. This season is four months, one, almost one month of rest. Disparity between the have and the have-not, it just, it just doesn't make sense that this is close to being evenly distributed. A 27-day swing in rest edge between the Panthers at plus 12 and the Patriots at the bottom at minus 15. Incredible. Opponents' days to prepare for your game. Uh, this is fascinating. You've isolated three teams that play six games where their opponents have extra time to prepare for them, and then two teams, they play zero games where their opponents have extra time to prepare for them. Yeah, this is the thing we kind of alluded to before. It doesn't make sense that you should have six teams that have, sorry, three teams that have six games where their opponents have extra time to prepare and some that have zero. The teams that have zero, once again, the Panthers and then the Cincinnati Bengals, teams that are being screwed by the league and have to play six games at a rest disadvantage include the uh, uh, Chicago Bears, Pittsburgh Steelers, and Washington football teams. So it just does not make sense that you should have that large of a gap between teams. We are talking about, if this was in baseball terms, again, a 56-game split between the one side that has zero and the one side that has to play 35% of their games. Uh, with opponents that have extra rest to prepare for them. It just should not be this massive of a divide between the haves and the have-nots. It really shouldn't be, and we just, I was going to say, we don't talk about it enough, Warren. We don't talk about it ever, right? We just we just start no. the season, we never talk about it again. By the way, I should mention, we have your beautiful chart for the first one, Net Rest Edges, but it was deemed so awesome uh, that we couldn't even, you know, it was so small on screen. That's how detailed and awesome that chart <laughs> is, so I would tell people to go in. That's, that's, I get that a lot, Gil. I yeah. get that a lot. My charts are a little bit detailed. <laughs> it's, yes. No, it's a good, it's a good problem. Uh, okay, and then the third of the uh, seven is also a corollary to the first two, which is more or less rest than opponent. Uh, Chiefs, the only team this year to receive five games where they'll have more rest than their opponent. Uh, their plus four game edge in this category is the best for any team. The worst, Bears, Vikings, Raiders, Patriots, Titans, Washington, all with a net minus three. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're talking, again, a seven-game swing from the best to the worst in a 17-game season. We cannot have swings that are this large. If there's a couple of games, that's, that's one thing. Three-game swing, four, you know, seven games? Like, this is, this is the best we can do. And I know that there are, again, I know that there are people out there who say, well, 
this doesn't really matter. We already knew the opponents that you're going to play. The schedule, the release of the schedule is just pomp and circumstance. It's just dressing it up. It's another way for the NFL to sell itself. And I can tell you from working with some of these teams, talking to different coaches, you know, they will never say this publicly. But behind the scenes, if they're getting screwed in a variety of different things, if they see some teams in their division getting propped up and they're getting hurt, they care. They, it, it does matter to them. And so that's why I'm so passionate about this. And so, in other words, the upshot of that one, there's a seven-game swing from best to worst in a 17-game season in the category of more or less rest than opponent. Short week road games. Now, these people can, folks can wrap their heads around this. Short week road games, teams to play two such games this year. The list is the Bears, the Steelers, the Bills, the Raiders, the Packers, the Bucks, and the Niners. Yeah, and short week road games are the worst that you can get because like the data clearly shows that this is one that we can easily prove you're on a short week and you have to travel. You are at a massive disadvantage as compared to the home team from a prep, rest, healing standpoint. The guys that are injured are going to have far more likely of a chance to play. We talk about guys that might have suffered concussions a couple of weeks ago, having that extra time at home, not having to get on a plane to go to the short week game. Um, it's massively valuable to be able to host those games and not to go on the road for them. And one of the things to talk about real quick are the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas always gets these games because they play on Thanksgiving at home every single year. And the NFL needs to absolutely must send them on the road for Thursday games in order to offset the edge that they get by hosting a short week home game every single season. The NFL tried to do it two times. They swung and missed both times. Why? Because they gave them games that aren't short weeks. They gave them week one on the road for Thursday night. That's not short week. You have as much time to prepare for week one. Then they gave them on the road the week after Thanksgiving in New Orleans. But that's also not short week. You have a full week to prepare for a game because you played Thursday on Thanksgiving and you play the very next Thursday. They are not giving them one disadvantage whatsoever here. That absolutely must change. You know, Warren, that one actually made me mad when I read it. Can we show Warren's tweet, what he just basically said right there, but just to uh, to drive it home. And again, you can follow Warren at Sharp Football. The NFL thinks it can offset the edge Dallas gets hosting Thanksgiving, forcing opponent on a short week road game by giving Dallas Dallas Road Thursday night games, fair, but then they go ahead, they do it week one and right after Thanksgiving. Doesn't give them any short week road games. Laughable, as you say right there. Uh, games off road. Well, the other thing, yeah. Gil, go on ahead. that, let me, let me tell you, the other thing on that, Gil, is that the NFL expanded Thursday night football in 2006, and the Dallas Cowboys have never played a short week road Thursday game. They've had five Thursday night football games that were on the road, the NFL has given them a full week of rest before every single one of them. That is just patently absurd and unfair. They need to absolutely address this next season. Yeah, that one's brutal. Games off road Sunday night or Monday night. Uh, some teams play two road Sunday night or Monday night games this year. Bears, again. Bears are getting the worst of it on all these. Bears, Vikings, Giants, Dolphins, Colts, Saints, Seahawks, Chiefs. Another imbalance. Yeah, and this one might not seem like much. It doesn't seem like much to a lot of people. Even some former players that I've talked to said, oh, well, it's not that hard on our bodies. You know, we played on the road on Sunday or Monday. I can tell you it may not be as big of a deal for healthy players just resting up for their next game. 
it is a big deal for injured players. It is also in terms of whether or not they're going to be able to come back and play the next week. It is also an even bigger deal for the coaching staffs. And that I can 100% attest to. Guys that get back in in the wee hours in the morning on Monday or Tuesday, the turnaround to get everything organized and ready for a game on Sunday it is difficult to deal with, and that is why I even threw this one in here in the first place is because coaches on different teams told me that this is something that I should be looking at as well. All right, there's two more categories. Let's try to squeeze one more in here before the break. Negated bye weeks. Nine will see their bye weeks negated by their opponent having a bye or substantial rest edge of the same week. Those nine teams, the Bears, Steelers, Washington, Vikings, Patriots, Colts, Cowboys, Buccaneers, and Cardinals. So basically their bye weeks don't mean as much. No, they don't. And the problem is they keep hurting the same teams that they've hurt before. The team that has the second worst or second most negated bye weeks from 2011 to 2020, that decade, is the Indianapolis Colts. And they negated another one of their buys oh. this season. The, they played the New England Patriots immediately after their bye week. New England has a bye week immediately before that game as well. So the bye, yes, it's not built to like make sure that you have an edge over your opponents, but... What needs to happen is if there's an average of 1.9 negated bye weeks per decade for a team, you need to spread that around. You can't keep screwing a team like the Colts. We got one more category, Warren. Would you be willing to stay five more minutes after the break? We have a short segment yeah. coming because we want to get to this. Four games separated by 17 days is the last of the strength of scheduled timing uh, bullet points that Warren has outlined. And let me just say this. There's one team in the NFL that this applies to this year. You're obviously fan base and backers are not going to be happy about that. But it just so happens this team gets the worst of it more historically as well. And it keeps happening to them. We'll find out what team it is. Warren Sharp on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. Back on a numbers game. Right here, Gil Alexander. Jason Kahn with something to say. Oh boy, one second. Gil. We'll get to the read. Later, I got it right Jason. here. With basketball, hockey, baseball games every week, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada. Premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Thank you, Jason. Uh, the article is Why the NFL Schedule Matters and Who It Hurts. Warren Sharp brilliantly at NBC Sports Edge. Uh, of course, also works for The Ringer, where he does such great stuff and consults, perhaps most famously, with actual National Football League teams. You can follow him on Twitter, at Sharp Football. Let's not forget about Sharp Football stats and Sharp Football analysis, of course, old school. All right, Warren, the seventh of the seven categories, again, the seven categories that fall under the broad category of evaluating strength of schedule timing. 
We already went through uh, net rest edges, opponents' days to prepare for your game, more or less rest than opponents, short week road games, games off road Sunday night or Monday night, negated bye weeks, which I think is a brilliant one. We don't ever think about that. Four games separated by 17 days. Ah, yes, the worst possible scheduling anomaly. Who's the team that this applies to this year? Yeah, unfortunately for them, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. And look, uh, it's very difficult to get a four in 17 games. And the only way you can do it is you play Monday night, you have a short week, you play Sunday, you play the next Sunday, and then you play a Thursday. And there's no way to get less rest than that in a four-game stretch. And that applies to only one team this year. To their credit, the NFL has reduced the number of times teams are playing this stretch. But why even allow it to happen to one team? And then if you dig deeper into the Philadelphia Eagles specifically, they play two teams on short rest in this stretch of 4-17. and 17. Obviously, you have to. You know who they are playing? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs oh, on oh. short rest. Both of those teams went to the Super Bowl last year. And then immediately after that stretch of 4-17, and 17, the Philadelphia Eagles play five road games in seven weeks. There are only six other teams that have to play five road games in seven weeks during a stretch run in the season. The Philadelphia Eagles are one of seven, and they do it after four and 17. It's just a brutal scheduling spot for the Eagles. Their overall strength of schedule and some of the other factors, prep and rest variables, are beneficial to them this season as compared to seasons past where they've been the second most screwed team in the NFL by the schedule makers. But this specific one and that little stretch that they have is pretty ridiculous. Pretty ridiculous. There it is when we flashed up the Eagles' uh, schedule. Weeks three through six at Cowboys Monday night versus Chiefs at Panthers versus Bucks on a Thursday. Um, and I guess that gets back to one of the original questions I asked you, Warren, is, all right, well, this one seems simple enough for someone at the NFL office. Not that I'm crying tears for the Eagles, having grown up a Washington football team fan, but this would seem like a simple enough one for the NFL schedule makers or somebody to say to them, hey, can we try not to do this to the Eagles again? No doubt. I mean, if, if you're going to do it to a team, do it to one of the 15 teams that hasn't had to deal with it in the last decade even one time. Don't do it to a team that's already dealt with it, tied for the most in the NFL over the last decade, and that would be the Philadelphia Eagles. And it just shows to me, like, they're paying close enough attention to this because they've reduced the amount of times that it's happening. So why even allow it to happen once? There has to be a way to, if you're not allowing it to happen to 31 of the teams in the league, then it doesn't have to happen to the 32nd team either. Uh, people should bookmark this article, for, for real, uh, that Warren wrote for NBC Sports Edge. If you, if you don't uh, save these two segments on a numbers game, bookmark the article, Why the NFL Schedule Matters and Who It Hurts. By the way, at the end of the piece, there's a full summary of the teams uh, that are hurt and helped the most uh, in 2021. That have, burned in the, that have been in the worst spots the prior decade. It really puts it in historical context. By the way, you're not going to be happy, Bears, Patriots, Giants, and Colts fans, for your historical scheduling either when, you, when it breaks it down. It's all at NBC Sports Edge. Warren has it uh, linked on his Twitter, at Sharp Football. Warren, truly great job, man. Congratulations on this piece. And uh, we'll talk when you're ready to talk season wins. How about that? Love it. Thanks for having me, Gil. Warren Sharp, everybody. NBC Sports Edge, the ringer, at Sharp Football. And again, Sharp Football Analysis, Sharp Football Stats. Just a, uh, a really good breakdown. I really mean that, too. I don't think we ever 
think about it in broad terms like that. When you have a team like, going back to the very first point, the, 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 the Panthers are plus 12 and the Patriots minus 15, 27-day swing in rest edge. Shouldn't happen, but it does. Appreciate it from Warren. We'll come back. I have thoughts on the NBA closeout. Which team played it right, which team didn't, and all the betting opportunities therein. It's next on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. The NHL and NBA playoffs are here, and our experts are covering every angle to find betting edges. VEASAN hockey expert Andy McNeil is tracking all the NHL action. We'll talk to Andy momentarily. And our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Von Tobel, has all the hoops insights. Our experts and the entire VEASAN team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet on the playoffs, including odds and analysis for every game on VEASAN.com and our daily members-only best bet emails. Now's the time to cash in the playoffs. Sign up for your 10-day free trial at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It's Gil Alexander. NBA play-ins are here, followed by the postseason. The play-in games begin tomorrow. The two Eastern Conferences, uh, two Eastern Conference games, beginning with the 10-9 game. Charlotte ends up with the 10th seed at Indiana, the 9th seed. Indiana, a three-and-a-half-point favorite tomorrow night. That will be followed by the 8-7 game. Washington, the Wizards end up getting the 8 because of their win over Charlotte yesterday. Uh, they are going to be one-and-a-half-point dogs now. They were one-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm seeing one-and-a-half-point dogs at the number 7 Boston Celtics. Remember, the winner of the 8-7 becomes the seventh seed in the playoffs, and in the Eastern Conference will take on the Brooklyn Nets in a best-of-seven series. The loser of the 7-8 will then take on the winner of the 9-10, <clears throat> the winner of the 9-10, the winner of that subsequently will be the eighth seed and will take on the Philadelphia 76ers in a best-of-seven series. So those are the spreads. By the way, the next day, Wednesday now, so two days from now, is the Western Conference version of this. The 10-9 game, San Antonio, the 10th seed at Memphis, the 9th seed, Grizzles, four-point favorites. Then it's the eight against the seven, Golden State and the Lakers. Could you imagine them anticipating this 8-7? Steph Curry, again, goes off last night. He is the scoring leader in the NBA this year. He clinches it yesterday. Golden State at the Lakers. Golden State 8, Lakers 7. Same thing applies. Winner of 7-8 becomes the 7th seed. In this case, they will take on, in a best-of-seven series, the uh, Phoenix Suns. And can you imagine that booby prize for the Suns if it's the Lakers? And then the 10-9, the winner of that will take on the loser of the 7-8 for the 8th seed, and the right to take on the Utah Jazz in a best of seven. Now, here's the deal in all this for me, and we have plenty of time to preview the uh, the 4-5 and the 3-6 series, but I really thought the Clippers played this spectacularly well down the stretch. They sat, they just absolutely punted on a game Friday night at Houston, lost that game 122-115. to By virtue of that loss and the way that the schedule played after that, what the Clippers did was create a situation where there was no possible way they and the Lakers could meet in the first round. It, by the way, allowed the Lakers to play free the next day as well. So it was a it was a schedule quirk where the Clippers figured out that if they lose that game, it might actually be the best thing for them. Now, again, no one is suggesting the players on the court are openly tanking. We never have on this show, and we've been talking about Tankapalooza for years now. It's never the players on the court, but it is the roster manipulation 
who's available for a game, and who's there at crunch time. So the Clippers played this brilliantly by losing that game to Houston on Friday night. You know who didn't play it brilliantly, in my humble opinion, and we shall see how this turns out. But the Milwaukee Bucks, who end up with the number three seed in the Eastern Conference, went ahead on Saturday night while Jimmy Butler was sitting for the Heat. The Heat were punting on the game basically by sitting Butler. And the Bucks go ahead and play everybody and beat the Heat 122 to 108. And what that essentially did was completely maximize the likelihood of Milwaukee having to face the Miami Heat in a 3-6 game. Yes, technically the Bucks could have gotten to the number two, but it was so unlikely because Brooklyn was playing Cleveland the following day, or, or excuse me, on Sunday, yes, the following day. So the strategy ought to have been, if you subscribe, that is, to the sentiment that the Heat are the last team the Bucks want to face in the first round, and maybe you don't subscribe to that theory, But for me, the Heat, despite this version of the Heat not being last year's version of the Heat, the Heat still have enough players, more players, that are good enough at crunch time to hurt you in a playoff series. Unlike other teams that aren't nearly as deep, that's not the team you ought to want to play. And so again, the Bucs and Coach Bud and company, they... They played players in the wrong game. That game essentially meant that they were going to take on the Heat in the first round. And then, by the way, last night they sat everybody. Well, that's too late by then. The game against the Heat was the one you needed to lose so that the Heat could have won and competed for the fourth and the fifth seed. Instead, the Bucks end up with the Heat. Now, you may not agree with that assessment, right? I'm very aware that people are like, ah, oh, Gil, well, you make it too big a deal of it. Um, maybe the Bucks think they can roll the Heat. Um, they never faced a Heat team with Jimmy Butler this year in all their three games, so I'm not really sure they know what they're facing in the Heat, quite frankly. But let me just say this. If the Bucks lose to the Heat in the first round, if they go out and get eliminated in the first round, that should be Coach Bud's job. That should be the entire Milwaukee Bucks front office's jobs for screwing up the end of this season like that. And again, if you don't think that that's a big deal, we never, we always forget how teams got here. Remember when we were talking about the NFL draft, and I made a point to sort of go back and say, wait, how did the Jets get to the number two pick? Oh, yeah, that's right. They beat the, uh, the Rams, and then they won a subsequent game for the heck of it. You know, and so it gave the Jaguars the first pick to get Trevor Lawrence, and then the Jets end up with Zach Wilson. There's nobody who thinks those two things are the same, right? And meanwhile, we killed the Eagles at the time for completely tanking that game against Washington, that final night game of the NFL regular season, when in fact it helped the Eagles get a better draft pick, and then they were able to trade and manipulate from it. We never go back and think about this. Well, think about this if the Bucks get knocked out by the Heat, the way they played this final stretch of the season. That was malpractice to me. But, you know, I said at the top of the show, while everybody's gushing about hockey from a fan's perspective, I'm trying to do a sports betting show. I'm trying to make money here. So, yeah, if I want to do sports radio, I'll talk about how great the NHL playoffs are. But the things you have to recognize as a better are betting opportunities. Tennis aside, because I don't want to bore you with any more tennis, I could say it till I'm blue in the face, that end to the NBA season you can't exploit something with the exception of the one thing that the Bucks, right? The Bucks were the exception. They did it not according to form. With the exception of the Bucks beating the Heat on Saturday, take a game like last night. The Clippers were playing OKC, and this is an actual bet that we made, uh, me and Felica and E on our, on our thread. I brought this up. As this game was going on into the, deep into the third quarter, 
you realized that the Clippers, if they looked at the scoreboard, they could see that Denver was losing. And so if the Clippers wanted to avoid the Portland Trailblazers, which ought to have been the team they wanted to avoid in the first round, and more importantly, set up a series where they got to play Dallas in the first round and then perhaps Utah in the second, avoiding the Lakers, in other words, to the conference finals, what they would do last night late against Oklahoma City is ensure the fact that they were going to not maximize their chance for victory. And sure enough, they played a roster, or they played a fi- they played five guys out there that were literally one of the players' names was Scrub, by the way. Jay Scrub. I'm not making that up. Uh, and what did they do? Yeah, the players on the court were trying, but they end up losing to OKC, ensuring just that, that they would avoid that they would avoid the Lakers in both the first and second rounds. And so, yes, in-game bets were made. I bet OKC at the beginning of the third quarter, plus 201 and plus four, both cashed. The point of that is you got to recognize betting opportunities when they come. Hockey next. Andy McNeil, a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. Bet on hockey and basketball playoffs with a risk-free first wager up to $600 at BetMGM. Just sign up and use bonus code VSIN600 and get in the ring with the king of sportsbooks so that you can turn game time into showtime. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use promo code VSIN600 to make a risk-free bet up to $600. New customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. Quite the weekend. Waking up at 5, 6 in the morning. Watching some Italian Open tennis. That was Nirvana, everybody. Um, meanwhile, though, while you were betting hockey and I was betting tennis, uh, this hockey playoff just became an unbelievable thing. Uh, th- three games really almost was four for four in terms of overtimes. From a fan's perspective, again, this is where I make the distinction between is it the best bet or is it uh, is the best thing you can bet on or is it just a great fan thing? Let's bring in Andy McNeil to help us decipher that question from Edmonton, Alberta at Digital Gambler. Sandy McNeil. Andy, I'll tell you this, man. Starting with the Bruins and Caps, and then going to the Islanders in Pittsburgh yesterday, Caps end up winning in overtime as a dog. Uh, Islanders end up winning in overtime as a dog. Braden, uh, excuse me, uh, uh, just did a Paul Mary with an unbelievable overtime goal, but again, a sort of gimme goal on his first goal of the game. Caps had a broken stick goal early in theirs. Minnesota wins in overtime as a dog. You had that one uh, yesterday. Vegas did everything they could possibly do to win that game. Uh, Flurry was unbelievable. Minnesota wins at one nothing, and then Tampa Bay does win as a as a favorite uh, in over or not. They avoided overtime, I should say. Good, good, goodness, what could have happened if it went to overtime? But Braden Point on the breakaway five to four. They beat Florida yesterday. Um, tremendous, tremendous excitement from a fan standpoint. But, man, tough to bet on? Yeah, I mean, unless you're, if you're holding a plus-135 underdog heading into overtime, uh, you know, you, you've 
you should be pretty happy with that. Um, so I, I don't know if I would say it, it's tough to bet on uh, simply because of games going to overtime. But uh, yeah, it, it's I mean, it's 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 something it was a, an incredible weekend of hockey. Uh, like you said, just from a, a fan perspective, uh, an entertainment perspective, I don't think you could ask for much more. Uh, you know, the first three games going to overtime, uh, uh, an incredible finish uh, in Tampa Bay, Florida, which was one of the most, you know, one of, one of, the, one of the craziest hockey games I can remember watching in, in recent memory. It had everything um, and, and should be some there should be some follow uh, from that game with, you know, Sam Bennett possibly facing a suspension for his hit from behind on on Blake Coleman after Coleman uh, took a bit of a run. Uh, at Barkov. Um, so, you know, it, things things heated up really quickly in that series. Um, and it being the first time that the Panthers and Lightning ha- have met in the playoffs, uh, you know, it's it really uh, lived up to, to the billing uh, as far as being a, a rivalry matchup and it's uh, shaping up to be a great series. Um, I, I thought it was uh, an incredible showing last night from some of the Lightning's top stars. Um, they weathered a storm early, uh, got into some penalty trouble, got you know, we're able to overcome that. Um, Kucherov, uh, you know, did, did show some legs, I think, throughout, throughout parts of that game, but obviously just as dangerous as ever uh, on the power play, especially. I don't, I really don't know how you're going to, you know, stop the lightning on the power play with Stamkos on one side and, and Kucherov on the other. It's, uh, it, it's going to be very tough. So um, I've got the lightning moved up to around, uh, what am I at here? 76%. So a fair line of minus 317 uh, for the, the updated series price. I think we're seeing around minus 300 out there right now. Um, have them you know, winning this thing in four games, roughly 18% of the time. So plus 450. I don't know if you want to want to go for a, 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 a shot at that. Um, but, uh, you know, Boston, Washington, I think, uh, that's a game that, that people are probably interested in, in hearing about. Uh, and, and I've got the Bruins as a, you know, a pretty sizable favorite, but, but definitely have come down a bit since, um, since the last game, uh, there is the Craig Anderson factor. There's three goalies on the ice right now in Washington. Um, I doubt it's going to be Elias Hampson off because, you know, he just got off of the COVID list. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing they won't want to throw him in. Uh, we'll likely see Phoenix Copley uh, back up Craig Anderson. So just a you know a pretty um, pretty surreal happening there with with the goalie situation in in Washington. Uh, but yeah, that series I think right now is is a coin flip. I've got the Bruins winning it 48% of the time. Uh, obviously that that makes Washington 52%. I've got a small play on the Bruins at minus 130-ish uh, today. A bit of a smaller stake than I had on the first game at a lesser price. Um, you know, I, I think Boston picked it up uh, as the game went on. I, I thought that they, you know, played really well throughout the, the, the final two frames and, and overtime. Um, I think that's more of what you'll see today from, from that team. They, they were pretty sloppy early and, and you know, at, at various points throughout the game. But although the Capitals did have a lot of sustained pressure and they really set the tone physically early, um, I, I believe that they, they, they were, weren't able to get a lot done with that sustained pressure and, um, you know, the Bruins will probably be better here today. So uh, looking forward to a, a bounce back uh, performance from Boston here, hopefully. Um, I know you are just not a good friend and, and more of a, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, more concerned about your Washington Capitals and what? rude against my bets one way or the what? other. Uh, but would never um, do that. 
you know. <laughs> talking about, I was all over Minnesota with you yesterday. The, uh, the uh, but to give g- give people an idea about the Caps goaltender situation, I actually texted you. I'm like, where do you have Anderson rated? You know, as compared to Vitek, and you were like, I I didn't even consider the possibility. So, yeah, there's. Yeah, that. I mean, I should have, but it was a pretty unfortunate, uh, um, you know situation there with just seemingly a routine save gone wrong and a, a pulled groin which looked pretty serious yeah. um right away um as far as the wild and the vegas uh, golden knights go um man yeah vegas was was really dominant early uh i don't think they, they they're getting enough um you know to the dangerous areas of the net of the ice though and um you know throughout the, the last two periods um and overtime i thought minnesota really really found themselves and uh and really started to generate some some very high quality chances. Obviously, Fleury was great. Um, I, I would probably stay away from his glove hand if I were the Minnesota Wild because that thing is you know fierce and and just snatching things out of the air left, uh, right, and center. But um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be an interesting series. I've got the Wild actually winning this thing fifty seven percent of the time, so minus one thirty three roughly uh, is what I would make the series right now. And I think we're seeing around minus 110 out there maybe maybe a little less than that i'm not sure what the prices are like in vegas but uh looks like odds makers are labeling this one a coin flip i think minnesota's uh, got a better chance of, of pulling it off than that wow okay so you see series value adjusted series value you see on minnesota you said you saw it on tampa bay too if i'm not mistaken i mean i mean i would i would approach it on a game-to-game basis with okay. you know roughly 15 cents is not very much when you're talking about a minus 300, right. right? So it's uh, yeah. not, not much value there. Okay, but Minnesota, different story. You mentioned you like a, you, you put a little wager on on the Bruins tonight, first of three games tonight yeah. at Washington. What about the adjusted series price on Boston? Well, I, I'm seeing plus 104, plus, 10, you know, plus 110 maybe, and that's pretty much I'm at plus 108 uh, as a fair price here. Um, for for the the Bruins to win the series, so you know it's 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 going to happen about fifty percent of the time, a little less than that. Um, but uh, I, mean, I am looking at the Hurricanes tonight. Uh, something kind of interesting is taking place here with Alex uh, Nedeljkovic. Uh, he's the first goaltender off the ice uh, ahead of the Canes or um, ahead of Game One here. Um, and you know we I think everybody pretty much penciled in Peter Mrazek to be the starter here, but but Nedeljkovic has been the stronger goalie. Uh, for much of this season, both goalies have been good, but I was I was hoping uh, Nedeljkovic would get the start here, and then you know I'm I'm probably going to wait until Rod Brendamore confirms it, um, just to be safe. But uh, you know the, the the line has come down a lot here on on Nashville. They opened around minus 180, or Carolina opened around minus 185, and it's all the way down to minus 155 yeah. and minus one. Uh, at some shops, uh, minus 165 seems to be a consensus price. But I, like I said, I'm seeing a lot of 55 and 60 out there right now. So um, with that confirmation, I, w- I would fire on the Hurricanes uh, at the current price for sure. Probably right up to minus 170-ish if Nedeljkovic is, is to get the start. But there's also um, uh, a few injuries to look at too. Is is Slavin going to be ready here for the game? He's a, he's an important piece. So lots to monitor throughout the day. Okay. Will you, will you confirm that on your Twitter today at Digital Gambler, if that's the case? I because I haven't made a, a, a habit out of doing that. Okay. I don't want people to... Uh, <laughs> All right, get used to, to that. All right. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So I just kind of set a precedent and, and stuck with it. Uh, I'll, you know, God, share my plays elsewhere. God forbid you set a precedent, I know. I, I would hate to... No, <laughs> I understand completely. All right, so Boston small play, Carolina pending. Uh, yeah. Indelkovic plays. Uh, anything on St. Louis, Colorado, or is that priced right about where it should be? I've got two radio hits. 
and a five-year-old at home today, so I've got no time. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but anyway, uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to watching the the Avalanche and, and seeing if they can you know stay the course here and stick to their game, not get mixed up in any uh, extracurricular stuff that could possibly lead to them. Uh, you know, giving the Blues a little bit more of a chance than they, they would have uh, if, if everything is, uh, you know, focused on on scoring goals and keeping them out of your own net. But, but St. Louis, they have a way of, of, you know, mucking it up and getting people off their game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of approach they take to to this, you know, playing this avalanche team tonight. But I'm at roughly minus 260, I think, for a fair price. So I'm right there uh, as far as a, a pass okay. altogether. Well, we'll see if we have three more overtime games or two of three or what have you tonight. Boston, Washington, Nashville, Carolina, and St. Louis, Colorado. Uh, obviously, Boston, Washington, a game two among those. Last thing, uh, Islanders, Pittsburgh, as we briefly mentioned. Um, yeah. Paul Mary scored twice, including an overtime. Islanders beat Pittsburgh. Anything adjusted series there? Yeah, I've got the, the Islanders winning at 65% of the time. A fair price of minus 186, which is basically exactly what I've seen. Uh, there's still the, the factor of whether or not uh, Afghani Malkin will be suited up for the next game. So some things to monitor uh, going forward in that series as well. Okay, but no play there, in other words. No. Okay, cool. Andy, appreciate it. When we come back, I'll apologize to all the hockey play, uh, all the hockey people out there and explain once again what I mean by what I think, while it's the greatest thing to observe... I'm betting other stuff. But if you're if you're on those dogs, though, like we were with the Wild, it's a great position to be in, like you said, going overtime. Thank you, Andy. Appreciate it. I got to run. Take care. Good luck. Andy McNeil, everybody. We'll talk to him again this week. Got to love the hockey playoffs. They are exciting, that's for sure. We'll come back. Jason Weingarten on Major League Baseball. Adam Stanko on the NBA. And Amal Shaw, his survivor plays. It's a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network. 